Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Purdy, and today we got our second to last team, the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's get on into it. Alright, so in case you're new here, what we do is we go over each team position by position and just give a general breakdown of the entire roster. Then I talk about the floor and ceiling of the team. Um, I talk about everything that can go wrong and everything that can go right in the season. The biggest over or under, whether or not I think the over or under order is more likely to hit. And then the biggest strength and weakness on the roster. And then you're going to want to hit the subscribe button to stick around because in just a couple more episodes, we're going to be doing the season prediction where I'll give my official win totals for each team. And then the uh, playoff prediction and my season's award prediction. All right, but without any further ado, let's get on into my favorite team, the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, and kicking things off, as always, with quarterbacks, we have Derek Carr and Jarrett Stidham. Carr is such a frustrating quarterback. He shows all the flashes you'd want from a Tier 1 quarterback. He has incredible accuracy all over the field and has shown the ability to scramble when needs to. However, he's just so inconsistent and definitely does play worse when under pressure, a terrible trait to have behind what may be the worst offensive line in the league. And then instead of using that athleticism to help the offensive line, he just constantly accepts pressure or quickly hits his check down. Before the whole Gruden and Ruggs fiasco last year, though, he did look like he was an entirely new quarterback, but the loss of his play caller and speed threat hampered him a lot. But hopefully the addition of Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels can help bring out the best version of Carr again. And Stidham was picked in the fourth round in 2019 by the Patriots and acquired through trade this offseason as he knows McDaniels' system and could help the offense stay afloat if Carr does go down. But so far he hasn't been anything above like a backup level. So for running backs, they have Josh Jacobs, Samir White, Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, Britton Brown, and Jacob Johnson at fullback. So Jacobs is a reliable back who'll make the first guy miss more often than not, but he doesn't have like top-end breakaway speed, and he only has one rush in his career over 40 yards. He's a consistent back who will get you the tough yardage, but not a very exciting back, and I feel like he just leaves a lot on the table that's to be desired, you know? White was taken in the fourth round out of Georgia, who can be this team's home run threat with some 4-4 speed. He's a powerful runner who's not afraid to run over you, and with the Raiders declining the fifth-year option, I wouldn't be surprised to see White become the lead back here after year one. Bolden went undrafted in 2012 and has been a good special teamer mostly for the Patriots, and then last year became more of the primary receiving back, and showed enough there to be brought over by the Raiders and replaced Kenyon Drake. Amir Abdullah was picked in the second round in 2015, but couldn't establish himself as a lead back and was often injured. He bounced around a bit since then, not seeing much time and being a better receiving back than running back these past couple years. Brown was picked in the seventh round out of UCLA, and Johnson went undrafted in 2019 and has been a good blocking fullback for the Patriots following new head coach Josh McDaniels over from New England. So for wide receivers, they have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Mac Collins, Tyron Johnson, and DJ Turner. Adams is the best receiver in the league. It took him a minute to establish himself since being picked in the second round in 2014, but since 2018, he's been absolutely electric. He's got the best release in the game and is the best at creating separation with his elite route running. He also had incredible chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, allowing him to be on the same page and be in the correct spot every time. Now he's going to have that same chemistry with Carr, who's his best friend and college teammate. He may see a bit less production this year as he is downgrading at quarterback and playing with better targets around him, but I'm still excited to see what he does. 
Renfro was picked in the fifth round in 2019 and instantly was an above average slot receiver. He runs elite routes out of the slot and last year he may have been the best just pure slot in the league. Just like Adams, he's one of the best route runners in the league and now that he's playing with Adams and a healthy Darren Waller, he'll consistently see 1v1s which he's already proven to be dominant against. Matt Collins will be the big body threat on the outside when Waller isn't of course. The 6'4 receiver was picked in the 4th round in 2017 and bounced around the league since then, putting up 200 yards and 4 touchdowns last year. And I honestly don't expect a ton out of him, honestly, but Carr does like his big body contested catch guys, so maybe Hollins can be that guy. Johnson went undrafted in 2019, and he looked like he could be a good deep threat for the Chargers after 2020, putting up 400 yards and 3 touchdowns. Last year, however, he did almost nothing for the Raiders and the Jags, but the Raiders need a speed threat, and Johnson is the best candidate to fulfill that. And the Turner went undrafted last year, but hasn't played yet. For tight ends, they have Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, and Jacob Horstead. Waller was picked in the sixth round in 2015 as a wide receiver who converted to tight end in Baltimore. He struggled to see the field early on, mostly due to his drug addiction. However, he cleaned himself up and he was picked up by the Raiders where he's been an elite receiving tight end since. As a former wide receiver, he's not the best blocker, but he's an amazing athlete who can be this team's number one target, and now that Adams is here, he'll likely to see a lot more one-on-ones and could be even better than ever. He had a bit of a down year last year, struggling with injuries, but I expect him to turn to be fully healthy and dominant once again. Moreau has been a good number two tight end since being picked in the fourth round in 2019. When Waller was out, he didn't do much as the number one, so... He's probably best at just that like secondary tight end, and he was his best as a rookie where he put up five touchdowns as a red zone threat, so we'll see if this Patriots-style offense can bring out the number two tight end a bit more this year. And then Horstead is also a converted wide receiver going undrafted in 2019, but he hasn't done much in the league so far yet. So for their offensive line, their starters are going to be Colton Miller, John Simpson, Andre James, Lester Cotton Sr., and Jermaine Illuminor with Jackson Barton and Taylor Munford Jr. backing up at tackle, and Dylan Parham backing up at guard and center. Miller had a rough rookie year after being taken 15th overall in 2018. However, he was playing through injuries that year and has gotten progressively better each season. Now he's one of the best pass blockers in the whole league and an improving run blocker too. Barton was picked in the 7th round in 2019 but has hardly played yet. Simpson was picked in the 4th round in 2020 and started all of last year for the Raiders, playing pretty poorly, but he did start to improve a bit down the stretch, um, allowing 0 pressures in 2 games, 1 pressure, and then 2 pressures in 4 of the last 5 games, but that other game was a 5 pressure game. So, and Then Parham was picked in the 3rd round this year out of Memphis as an athletic interior lineman with guard center flexibility. James went undrafted in 2019 as a tackle and developed as a center with the Raiders. He was honestly pretty bad until Gruden got fired, which is as ironic as Gruden was the one who really stuck his neck out for him. And then after that, he stepped up and started to look like an average to even an above average starter. Cotton went undrafted in 2019, but he's hardly played yet and he's now being asked to start. So pretty big unknown there for the Raiders. And then Illuminor was taken in the fifth round in 2017 and has bounced around, seeing a couple hundred snaps each year at guard or tackle. Not really impressing so far. And Munford is a seventh round pick out of Ohio State this year. So for their interior defensive line, they have Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, Andrew Billings, Kendall Vickers, Neil Farrell Jr., and Matthew Butler. 
Hankins was selected in the second round in 2013 and has been a good nose tackle in his career. Good against the run, but not really offering much against the pass. Even though he was taken nine years ago, though, he's still only 30, so he should be pretty good for a couple more years. Nichols was drafted in the fifth round in 2018 and developed into a nice rotational three-tech pass rusher for the Bears. However, the Raiders are going to need him to start and be their best interior rusher. He'll play surrounded by Crosby and Jones, so he'll be the number three rushing threat, so hopefully he can be still effective now that he's going to have an increased role. Billings was taken in the fourth round in 2016 as a nose tackle type by the Bengals. However, he's hardly played since 2019, opting out in 2020, and hardly playing last year for the Browns. Vickers went undrafted in 2018 and has seen some snaps for the Raiders as a rotational rusher these past two seasons, not playing well though and only appearing in one game all of last year. Farrell was picked in the fourth round out of LSU as a big 330-pound nose tackle, but he also showed the ability to like penetrate the line in college, so we'll see if he can transfer that ability to the NFL and be more than just a gap eater. And Butler was taken in the fifth round out of Tennessee this year. So for their edge defenders, they have Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Cleland Farrell, Tayshawn Bauer, and Malcolm Kuntz. Crosby had a historic season last year, posting 101 pressures, the only edge player to do that in PFF history, and only the third ever player to do it, a list including Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt. He did get lucky though with a crazy string of low-level or backup tackles that he faced, but he was absolutely dominant against them with speed and power, and he showed that he can still win against proven veterans like Lane Johnson. I don't think he'll repeat his historic season, but he should still be a dominant number one edge rusher, probably more close to like that 70 pressure range. And then Jones, speaking of dominant edge rushers, he's been just electric since being taken 21st overall in 2012 by the Patriots. Last year, he started off on fire week one, but then did cool down for the rest of the season. However, now that he's the number two here opposite of Crosby, I'm expecting another good season, making this one of the top edge rushing duos in the whole league. Farrell was taken fourth overall in 2019, but has been wildly disappointing. He's been a better run stuffer than a pass rusher, and has seen his playing time go down each season. He started to heat up his sophomore season, having two games with six pressures, and then one with nine before getting injured, and then hardly saw the field last year as this team's backup edge rusher. Bauer went undrafted in 2017, but hasn't seen significant playing time yet, and Koontz was picked in the third round last year and was inactive for most of the year, but showed some nice flashes when he get, did get on the field. So for linebackers, they have Denzel Perryman, Divine Diablo, Dayon Brown, Darian Butler, and Luke Matterson. Perryman was taken in the second round in 2015 and was a decent linebacker for the Chargers. He went to the Panthers last year before being traded to the Raiders in the preseason, where he became one of the best run defending linebackers in the league and good enough in coverage to be a solid starter. Diablo was taken in the third round last year. It took injuries for him to see the field, but once he did get out there, he didn't look back. The converted safety was the best cover linebacker on the team and held his own against the run too, only missing one tackle in 29 attempts. Brown was taken in the fifth round in 2017 by the Titans, where the undersized linebacker developed into one of the best cover backers in the league. He signed a one-year deal last year, but struggled to stay healthy and wasn't the same player when he was on the field. If he can regain his form, though, he should see significant snaps on more obvious passing downs. And then Butler and Madison both went undrafted this year. For cornerbacks, they have Nate Hobbs, Rakyusin, Amik Robinson, Anthony Averett, and Sam Webb. 
Hobbs was picked in the fifth round last year and was one of the better slot corners in the whole league. With the departure of Hayward and Mullins though, it looks like he's going to be moving to the outside. We'll have to see if his skill in the slot will translate though, but all reports I've been seeing is that he's been excelling as much on the outside as he was in the slot, which they need as this secondary honestly isn't looking the hottest right now. Marcus N was picked in the second round in 2019 by the Colts, but struggled in coverage and has missed some time with injury so far. He had his best season last year though, which did get him traded in exchange for Yannick Ngakwe to the Raiders, and he'll be expected to be this team's number two, so hopefully he can build off a decent season from last year. Robinson was picked in the fourth round in 2020, but has struggled in both the slot and outside as an undersized cornerback. However, there isn't much depth on this roster, so if Hobbs is playing outside now, Robinson is the next guy up in the slot. Averett was picked in the fourth round in 2018 and started for the injury-riddled Ravens last year. He's got some upside with starting experience and good speed, and he could see significant time if Hobbs does need to kick out inside for whatever reason, but he definitely struggled in the man-heavy scheme that the Ravens did run last year. And Sam Webb is a UDFA from this class. So for safeties, they have Trayvon Morg, Jonathan Abram, Duran Harmon, Roderick Teamer, and Isaiah Polamayo. Morig was picked in the second round last year and played pretty great as a center fielder in Gus Bradley's cover three system. He should play the Xavier McKinney role in this new defense, which is going to be very similar, and I think it could even help him look even better. Honestly, I would be surprised if he wasn't the best Raider secondary player this year as he has all the upside and we saw what Patrick Graham did with Xavier McKinney last year, making him one of the best free safeties in the league. Abram was taken in the first round in 2019, the third player from that class that the Raiders declined the fifth-year option on. He's been poor in coverage, but he did look a tiny bit better last year as he did mostly play in the box. He also is a decent blitzer and a hard-hitting energy bringer, but his aggressiveness leaves him out of position in both coverage and run defense. Hopefully with better coaching, he can hit a ceiling, which he has flashed as being like a pretty decent box safety. Harman was taken in the third round in 2013 by the Patriots and was a long-time third safety for them and then started as a free safety these past two years for the Lions and Falcons. He's a sure tackler who can keep the top on defenses for the most part, and I expect him to see a good amount of action as the second cover safety as I just don't trust Abram in that role. He should be decent, but he is almost 32 and is starting to lose a bit of a step. Teamer won a draft in 2019 and is mostly played as a special teamer, seeing some action last year with some injuries, but not playing too well. And Polamayo was a UDFA from this class. Alright, for special teams, they have Daniel Carlson at kicker, AJ Cole at putter, and Trent Sieg at long snapper. Carlson was picked in the fifth round in 2018 by the Vikings, but was cut after a horde start. Outside of a down 2019 though, he's been absolutely on fire for the Raiders, hitting over 93% of his kicks these last two seasons. AJ Cole was the best punter in the league last year after going undrafted in 2019, earning first team all pro honors. And Sieg has been the Raiders' long snapper since 2018. And this is just a little side note. Um, this is my team, so I just know this, but these guys are all like really close best friends and locked up for the next couple years, all coming to the Raiders within two years of each other or a year of each other. And I don't know, I just think that's like a cool little story. Like they're all really good friends. Look at that little picture of them. All right, and now this is going to get into our season projection. Um, first off, talking about anything that could go wrong, I see the floor of this team at 6-11. and 11. Just a murderer's row of a division, and the Raiders are very much could be the team that ends up on bottom. 
some things that can lead to that is Carr just having his like typical season, showing a couple of high-end games, but can't show up when it matters most. This run game is just eh, getting yardage, but not creating much after what the blocking gives them, and the blocking's not going to give them much. Adams and Renfro are great, but the second outside receiver does next to nothing. And then Waller has another below-average season for his standards, and Moreau gives us more of the same. This offensive line is the worst in the league, with everyone being a backup level outside of Colton Miller. This interior defensive line gives just no juice against the run or the pass. And this edge duo is good, just not great, with Crosby regressing to what he looked a bit more like earlier, and Jones also regressing just with age. These linebackers could also just be alright, with Perryman looking more like he did in the past, and Diablo not taking that step up in year two. And this secondary also has the chance to be the worst in the league. It's full of unproven talent, and honestly, I don't see a bunch of upside outside of Hobbs and Morig. However, there's a lot to be excited about with this team, and I see the ceiling of this team as 12-5. and um, Kind of just what I've been saying about the other AFC West teams, there's a lot of winnable games on here, so it's like, yeah, you could point like bring me at the end of the season and be like, the Raiders only won six games, and be like, oh, that sucks, but... Yeah, tough schedule, but if you told me they won 12 games, I'd also be like, yeah, like there's a lot of winnable games because this is a very talented roster. They have their flaws, but I mean, imagine if Carr goes out and is just playing like he did at the beginning of last season, but do that over the full year, looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, Jacobs has shown some nice upside, but just hasn't been able to string it together over the full season. And if he can do that and the younger guys show up, that's going to be a huge boost to the run game. The combination of Adams, Waller, and Renfro could just simply be unguardable. Like who, You can't double-team all of them, and all three of those guys have shown that they can beat one-on-ones. And an underrated thing about Carr is he's just able to read. He's one of the best quarterbacks at reading defenses. He's going to know who's got that one-on-one and get open so fast that this poor offensive line doesn't even matter and the other receivers just benefit from the lack of attention. Speaking of the offensive line, it is bad, but it could be not the worst like we think of it, especially with the New England system and Carr's quick release. The same could be said about this interior defensive line, with them being, I could see them being about league average, and especially with the edge defenders playing elite, elevating the rest of this defense. Perriman could be able to repeat his success from last year, and Diablo could develop into a top cover linebacker. And then these young DBs are able to scratch their ceiling a bit, with Hobbs playing great on the outside too, and everyone else really holding their own there. And then for the safeties, I think Morg could honestly be one of the best cover safeties in the league, and Patrick Graham's system could help bring the best out of Jonathan Abram, ask him to play in the box even more than he did last year, and just not put him in compromising situations. And then for the over-under set at 8.5, I do think that the Raiders have the biggest holes out of all the AFC West teams, which does explain why their 8.5 over-under is lower than the others, but I still do think that is a bit low. Like, you're giving all the other AFC West teams 10.5 and and then the Raiders 8.5? I don't know. We saw how good this offense was before the Ruggs incidents, and I think the weapons here are even better this year. And the defensive personnel and coordinator should be upgraded. Not all of these AFC West teams are going to make the playoffs. And the Raiders are probably the most likely team to miss it. But I still think that they'll, if they do miss it, they're going to miss it with like a nine-win um, season. So I'm, I am leaning over on the eight-and-a-half, call it bias. But hey, it's a pretty loaded roster. 
Speaking of loaded, uh, let's talk about these weapons. That's the biggest strength on this roster. They, This might be the best receiving trio in the whole NFL and one of the better ones in NFL history. Adams is the best receiver in the league. Absolutely elite, and his chemistry with Carr should let him stay amazing for years to come. Waller, when healthy, has shown to be one of the top t- receiving tight ends in the league with elite athleticism and amazing receiving ability. And then Renfro has been a technician of a route runner, mostly underneath, um, but also able to go downfield a tiny bit, setting up defenders with multiple moves and just consistently winning. I am a bit worried about whoever starts opposite of Adams, whether it's Hollins, Johnson, but honestly, it may not matter just with how good these top three targets are. But what might matter is this offensive line, because that's by far the biggest weakness on this team. This own line looks to be bottom three in the league. Carr does typically get the ball out fast, and he has great weapons to hit, and this New England system being implemented typically elevates the line play, but it still might not be enough. Miller has developed into an elite pass protector and a good run blocker, so I'm not really worried there. And then James looked like he should be at least average as the season went on last year, so... Left tackle, more than fine with center, okay, passable. But Simmons played poorly last year. Cotton's barely played at all since going undrafted a couple years ago. And Illuminor has been a career backup who played poorly at guard last season. When this team gets in shootouts, as they will be with a- in the AFC West and with all the youth in their secondary, the opposing pass rushers are just going to be able to pin their ears back and feast on guard. Alright, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, Let me know what you guys think. Am I too high, too low on the Raiders? Do you think that they can have this amazing offense even despite their terrible offensive line? Uh, Leave a comment below if you're on YouTube. Also, like and subscribe. We've got the NFL season coming just around the corner. Super hyped about that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you might be getting this, leave a five-star review and subscribe to that while you're at it. And yeah, we'll see you guys in just a couple days.